Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. My message this morning, I went back and forth on the title and I decided to call it continually with you. The passage of scripture it comes from is a King James passage and it says continually, nevertheless, is the word the King James uses. And that really was a better moment, a better word to me. I don't know how many of you know this, but Pastor Amy and I celebrated our 42nd anniversary on Tuesday, the 2nd. And I say that to you because, yes, it's a big deal. It's quite an achievement. It's more than a life. How many of you that's longer than you've lived? And be sure God is watching these, these hands right now. So it's a lifetime, more than a lifetime for a few of you, 42 years. Do you think about this for a moment? We could have a child that's 41 years old. <laughs> Vivian, did you raise your hand? I don't remember seeing your hand. But you could be, you could have raised your hand, couldn't you? No? No? You're older than Tony? I did not know that. I thought you were older than him. I mean, younger than him. It's just how you look. You look younger than him. So, anyway, I tell you all of that to sort of brag on us. It's, I, I want you to understand something. A reality check. In those 42 years, you can rest assured there were a few moments that Pastor Amy looked at me and thought and sometimes said, hit the road, Jack. <laughs> when I had done something foolish or said something stupid or did both at the same time, it was all wrapped up in one of those evil moments when Satan had inhabited my mind. Likewise, there was a time or two when I thought, I I want to see the woman that all of you see every Sunday. Where's that woman right now? That sweet, gifted, generous, loving woman. Because what I'm seeing right now could be in a horror flick. I say all of that to say I think it's safe to say that when we pledged our love to one another on August the 2nd, 1980, that we meant it. At the time, we had no, we had no idea how hard it would be to fulfill that commitment. We were 19 years old. Yeah, look around for a moment. Think about your 19 year old children. We had no idea how to be married. I had no idea how to act like a real husband, a man of God. And she didn't know how to be my wife. We loved each other, obviously. And we were able to, we've been able to walk this out. And on Tuesday, we're looking at each other and saying to one another, can you believe this? We've made it 42 years. Look at what the Lord has done. And, and again, I tell you all of that because I want you to understand something. That's the nature of true love and commitment. We're still holding each other's hands, enjoying tender kisses and sweet moments 42 years later. Hold on. It, it's, 
not those sweet moments that makes this story real. It's all of those moments when I didn't know how to be a good husband. And how to talk to her like she needed to be talked to. Or deserved to be treated. It's all of those moments when she didn't know how to operate with me in ministry and life. And and it's all of those impasses. Those difficult moments. Those times when it didn't seem like we were able to get through it. Or, and, and we didn't know how we were. And, and you're thinking, I don't, is this it? Are we done? And yet we're still holding each other's hands 42 years later. And so I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture in a moment. Not this first one, but in a moment where you're going to see those words that gave the title continually with you. Nevertheless, you're always with me. I'm always with you. Nevertheless, but let's first look at the words of the Apostle Paul. Second Corinthians 12, 9 puts it this way. Because Paul reminds us, how many of you know that you don't get through 42 years of marriage without understanding people grace? Ain't that right, Santos? If anyone must be a recipient of grace. It's your spouse. Everyone that's married say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. I hear you, preacher. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Because if you're married, the person you will take the most for granted is your spouse. And so you need to understand what I'm talking about when I say people grace. And hear it from the Apostle Paul. When he re- he sent us these words, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. These words were uttered by the Apostle Paul in a vulnerable moment when his pride may have expected a far different outcome. I'm so glad to know God is always holding our hand in spite of our ignorance or selfish actions. Or is that just me that that happens with? I'm so glad to know that He doesn't push us aside because we make a foolish decision or a bad choice. Anybody ever made a bad choice in church today? Not today, but maybe prior to this moment. About eight of you. I'm so proud of you and you're... I'm so glad to know that when I feel like crawling under a rock because I've I've messed up again. And I can't believe I'm asking God to forgive me of that thing. That God doesn't turn his back and on me and walk away. But I want you to hear these words. He stretches forth his hand and he says, come to me, my child. Did you hear those words? He's invitational that way. He's gracious that way. Come to me, hear the word, my child. So we begin with the first section. Each time is the title of the section. You have your notes, you can follow along, write in, fill in the gap. If you didn't get a bulletin, so sorry. Sounds like Paul didn't get it initially, though. We tend to think of Paul as spiritually, so spiritually perfect, but this passage speaks otherwise. I don't know why it's doing a double when I touch it once, but it does it sometimes. We tend to think of him as being so spiritually perfect, but this passage speaks something different. Paul is saying the first two times didn't work for him. Are you still with me? Each time that scripture says, each time, and we know from the full reading, 
He asked God three times to take away the thorn in his flesh. Three times. What's that telling you? It sounds like Paul is just as human as you and me. And I don't say that to degrade Paul, rather to normalize Paul and you. I want to take away the picture that you may have of the Apostle Paul, that he was somehow superhuman. Why do we have this struggle? Because of other things Paul wrote. I'll show you one. Philippians 4.11 reads this way. Not that I was ever in need. Oh, really, Paul? Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Yeah, I get that, Paul. And what I want you to understand, he was a full-rounded human being. Because just like I can tell you that I love this woman more than ever before in my life. I don't just like her, I love her. I'm in love with her. Still after 42 years. And now i got 42 years of proof behind me. But just like that, there were days. There were some days. That I wanted to live somewhere else. Not in the same county. So I, you, I want you to get this picture. I want you to understand who the Apostle Paul is. Because he understood how to live in life in the things he was satisfied. He was content. And that's a true statement. But he also says each time. Have you ever received a download from God and thought, can I have a redo? What am I calling a download? It's when God speaks something to you, says something to you, and you, <laughs> you're like Paul. Again, um, Lord, I'll take door number two. Door number one, yeah, I'll take door number two. Can I have a redo on to make a deal with God? Some of you don't even know what make a deal is. But anyway, just, just say amen. How hard is it for God to get a message to you? What are the distractions blocking you from hearing him? Yeah, we we focus on the sinful things, but even good things can become a, a distraction. Some of you have small children. Anywhere past the age of five and fall comes around, they'll be having soccer on Sundays. You have a decision to make. I gotta get out of church early, Pastor. Gotta leave at noon because their game is at. I'm trying not to look at anyone directly now. But these, these kinds of things, they're, you know, not wrong to have soccer or play soccer. It's not wrong. Do y'all know that Revelation 3 verse 20 was written to the church? What is Revelation 3.20? I'm so glad you asked that because I happen to have it here for you. Look, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus talking in Revelation 3.20. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, why does he say if you? Because you have distractions. Your mind's going a thousand miles a minute. How many of you know every time you try to pray, you just happen to have your phone nearby? Or some of you with those funky little tones and whatever. Doesn't matter. But you have your phone nearby and you just got to check it out because, and it's only a distraction. 
I stand at the door and knock if you hear my voice and open the door. Because you got to move past the hearing his voice. Now you got to say, come on in, Lord. That's you welcoming him into your life. That's why you'll hear this preacher say, what you should do is as soon as you wake up in the morning, that's the time to spend alone with Jesus. Just before all of the stuff starts, because you know it's going to start. You know that. You've lived long enough to know it's going to happen. So plan for it. Get up a half hour earlier than you plan on. and Give that to the Lord. If you don't do that, and that's not a normal practice, start it this week during this time of prayer and fasting. God is patiently waiting for you to open the door. Michael W. Smith sings a song. I think he wrote it in the 90s. One million miles starts with a step or two. What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for you. That's God knocking on your door saying, I'm waiting for you. I'm here for you. I'm longing to be with you. So each time, Paul reminds us in that statement that I kept looking for more. Are you still looking for something that's right in front of your face? What's the message then for us? Here's the message. God is trying to get to you. I'm here for you. And look at Isaiah 40, verse 29. One of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Two verses from this chapter. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. That's what God does for us. He's saying, I'm here for you. He gives. He's generous this way. Look at verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. I gotta pause there for a moment. Find new strength? Doesn't that mean something? <clears throat> I'm not just coming with the same old thing, but I'll give you new strength if you seek me early in the morning. If you seek me on the first of your day, I'll give you the strength you need for the things of this day, not what happened in the past, not just where I met you in that situation, but I'll give you new strength. Not only that, you will soar on wings like eagles. And there's more to it. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. How does that happen? Because you put trust in the Lord. That's where the verse started, right? You, you haven't forgotten that, right? Should I go back? Here it is. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Those who trust it. So the trust comes up front. Then you find the new strength. Then you can soar. Then you can run and not get weary or faint. We can quote John 3, 16, but how about 17? God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. You see how that's how God looks at you. He's not looking for the chance to beat you up because you made a mess of things. I, maybe you got a messed up picture because you had a messed up father or mother. And they beat you because you did things wrong. You made a mess of things. And, and so you're thinking God's like that. He's not looking to judge you. Hear it. But to save the world through him. So God's hand is always extended to those who put their trust in Him. So if you can muster the faith, you will be rewarded with His very real presence. If you can muster the faith, your reward is His very real presence. Do you know, you you, you do know when when your spouse or one of your children is there... There, but not present. 
don't say amen. Maybe your child is sitting near you and or your spouse is sitting near you. I understand if you don't want to say amen, but you know the difference, don't you? They're there, but not present. How many of you have ever had a conversation with somebody and they were this? Yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, sure. Um, what was that last thing you said? Because their attention's not, they're not present, they're there. Difference, isn't it? So what has blocked you from getting that message? Are you overwhelmed with trouble? Has trouble stolen you from you? Jesus has an answer for that. In John 16.33, it's not in your notes, write that scripture down. John 16.33, I have it for you. You don't have to write out the whole scripture. I have it for you, but listen to this scripture. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Let me give you context. Jesus gave them, made this statement after having told them, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried. I'm not going to be with you in a short time. Jesus is telling them that, and then he makes this statement. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. What? What's wrong with you, Jesus? You just told us you're going to die, you're going to leave. And you're saying now, you told us this so that we could have peace. It's not... That alone that gives them the peace. It's the rest of the verse. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Some of you could say amen. But, this is what Jesus is trying to steer them towards. Take heart. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He's saying... You can count on me because I've already overcome. I have overcome. I have. He says it in the present positive. I have overcome the world. So all of your troubles, all of your struggles, whatever you may face, what I want you to know going forward is I've overcome it already. It's already a done deal. What is he telling them? You know what it's like? A few of you do know what this is like. You know what it's like when the washing machine breaks down, it's finally done, but you have a thousand dollars in the bank for it. A few of you know what that's like. And you don't worry, you don't think about it. That's what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples. And it's what he wants you to hear this morning. I've already overcome. It's already taken care of. It's already done. So take heart. In the middle of the mess. Trouble has a way of blinding our eyes and plugging our ears, doesn't it? It doesn't take much of the noise of life to desensitize our spiritual ears. All of those distractions, all of those things that that tangle up our minds. They rob us of what God wants us to know, wants us to hear, wants us to understand. So you've got to stop. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples in this world. So as long as you are human, as long as you are alive, that's why Paul said that that each time, that's why he had to pray over and over. He wanted the thorn removed, but over and over, God said to him, my grace is sufficient. Each time you go through a struggle, I want you to know and understand I'm here with you. I have a question for you. It's a question that all of us who have been through the 
evangelism and outreach training uh, locally ask this of people we encounter on the streets. Do you believe God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? And I wonder if you believe that today. I'm sorry. Do you believe it? Jeremiah 29, 11, write that verse down behind this on your paper if you're taking the notes. Here it is. You, many of you know this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and wondering about your future. It may appear hopeless. It's not. God has a different plan for you. So I want you to know it. You seasoned believers, I want you to know it. God's not looking for the opportunity to beat you down. He's looking for another chance to remind you He loves you and has a good plan for your life. That was Old Testament. How about New Testament? Third John. Chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Look at your neighbor and say, all things. Not just a few things. Not just the spiritual things. I wish that you prosper in all things and be in health. Just As your soul prospers. John's writing to someone that he knows and he understands. He's heard the report. Their spiritual being is good. They're walking good with God. And now he's saying, I want you to prosper in every area like you're prospering in that area. My favorite scripture, my life scripture, if you will, is Matthew 6.33 in it. Reminds us to put, if we put God first, He takes care of everything else. I have a question for you. I want to pause so you get that. Write that verse down, Matthew 6.33. No, it's in the notes. I remember now. Circle it. Memorize it. If you seek Him first. But here's the question. How many of you in this place have ever taken your children to a theme park? It's okay, you can admit it. Taking your children to it. How many of you have been to a theme park? All of you that have, raise your hands. When you take your children to a theme park, do your kids look at you and say, I wonder if we're going to have fun today, Mom? Do they they look at you and say, are we going to have food today? We're going to be there all day. Are we going to have food today? Do they ask that question? When you say, we're going to Six Flags, want you to get a good night's rest, which is an oxymoron, but I want you to get a good night's rest. We're going to Six Flags or we're going to Dorney, even locally, Dorney Park. We're going to be there all day long. Do they look at you and say, now, Mom, I want to make sure we're going to have enough food for the day? Dad, you'll make sure that we got... You know, got the sunscreen, got the... They don't, do they? Why? Because they know that you will take care of all of those things. They know it. They don't have to wonder about it. They don't have to think about it. All they have to do is go on your word. Uh Uh-oh. Now you're getting it. All they need is your word. We're going. And all the things will be taken care of. That sounds so much like a verse of scripture. All you gotta do is seek Him first. And you can rest assured that all of the things for your prosperity, for your health, for your well-being, mentally, emotionally, even in your family, financially, God will take care of them if you seek Him first. God has everything in place 
for you to have a wonderful life, all you have to do is go for the ride in faith. Catch that last part? You just have to go for the ride in faith. Like you with your parents. But let me close out that section with this. Wonderful doesn't mean problem free. How many of you know it can be wonderful and still not be problem free? I remember taking a vacation. Actually, we were living in the other side of Harrisburg. We were going to stay in a cabin down at Lake Nakamixon. If you've never thought of that, never knew it, take a vacation time. Go stay in one of the cabins at Lake Nakamixon. They have them at many of our state parks. They're very inexpensive relative to hotels and that kind of thing. And you're right there on a lake and you can have a wonderful week for less than $500. And uh, you'll enjoy it. We were coming on one of those days and we're riding down the road, down the highway. I'm pulling a boat behind me. And and the next thing I know, I heard a, a terrible noise strange screeching sound and I looked in my rearview mirror and I could see smoke billowing out and such things and and so I pull over as quick as I can we're traveling highway speed at that time and pull over so we're, we're all packed in we have a little jeep wagoneer so the jeep is full and I've got all three of our kids and we've got a boat that's full of stuff it has their bicycles and everything because we're going to stay at this park for a week but a tire blew out and it ended up the way that it happened it threw a piece of metal that ended up puncturing the bottom of the boat punctured it we're going to the park and taking the boat so that we can have stuff to do while we're there I got three kids I gotta have ways to entertain them it's not problem free is it I managed to fix it. I, my dad raised me right, and I actually brought the stuff that I could repair the boat and fix the tire. And we went on, and we we did what we had to do. And uh, what am I telling you? It's not problem free, but that doesn't stop you from having the good life that God can provide for you. Let me bring you to this, the part that is on you. It's your decision. Here's the verse that led me to the message. And I have it in the English Standard Version. That's what ESV means. From Psalm 73, verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. Now, our natural way of reading that verse is actually inappropriate. You're seeing it the way you want to see it. That's not what it means. Look at it again. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. Who's speaking? Uh -uh. This is Asaph because this is his psalm. And he's saying, nevertheless, I am continually with you. See how I know it's the, the way it's supposed to be read? You hold my right hand. You see it now? It's different, isn't it? Because your natural human mind wants to look at it. Oh, God's holding my hand. And I, I'm not trying to convince you, God. He does hold your hand. But... But understand something in this verse. Asaph is saying, I am continually with you. I, I am continually with her. She is often holding my hand. That's part of being in love and walking together in these 42 years. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. How many of you know there was some trouble along the way? I've already testified to that. 
what you want with God relationally is your decision. In this psalm of Asaph, he's speaking of his decision to hold the hand of the Lord. He's stating that I made a decision to always commune with you. He made the decision, just like you make the decision. And you make that decision daily. You get up in the morning and you have multiple choices. You get up in the morning and sure, got to take care of some human business. But after that, what happens? Well, I can't talk to the Lord before I have coffee. There's one. Oh, and I need the weather report because I won't know what to do with my day. If I don't get the weather report. And I should get caught up on today's news. Do you see what's happening? And if you have kids, depending on how many you have, it's almost a guaranteed that there'll be a distraction. That's why I say you need to pray early in the morning. So he's saying, I made a decision to always commune with you. Believer, you must make Asaph's confession and acknowledgement. You must make it. Endeavor in like spirit to say, nevertheless, since I belong to Christ, I am continually with God. I am. I make the decision. So I say it this way. Based on your decision, God will always reach for you if you're interested. Based on your decision. He'll always reach for you if you're interested. What does this passage speak to you? you got to make it personal today. What does it speak to you? It means that you are continuously or continually on his mind. Elvis and Willie Nelson may have, may have made the song famous, but, but come on. It, always on his mind. You are always on my mind. He is always thinking of you for your good. God is always longing for nearness with you. He's always longing for nearness with you. Yeah, you. He loves you. You're continually on His mind. You're continually before His eye. And His eye is on the sparrow. And I know He watches me. He's always looking after you. Not looking at you. Looking after you. Perpetually watching over you for your welfare. You're continually in His hand. You're in the strong hand of the Master. And none shall be able to pluck you from it. No, you won't lose out. You're in the hand of the Master and nothing can pluck you from His hand. Hear me today. Those of you that feel distant and unaided, God has you in the palm of His great hand. You're continually on His heart. You're worn there. As a memorial. Even as the high priest in Israel had the twelve tribes of Israel. And they were signified by various colored precious stones. All twelve of them. And so every time he went in to do his priestly work. The children of Israel were born on his heart. You're on God's. Heart. You're always thinking of us, aren't you, Lord? (laughs) I'll put it to you this way. You've set us, He set us as a signet upon His own being. It's like God has your name tattooed on His body. Not advocating tattoos for you young people there. 
trying to convince your parents you should get one. But God has you as a signet. You're, you're written on His being. Not unlike a tattoo. You're His. You're continually on His heart. Aren't you glad to know that God is thinking about you? When you wake up, if God spoke to you, I could tell you what He would say. He would say, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for this moment. That's exactly what the Lord your God would say to you. If you woke up in the morning and before your feet hit the ground, God would say, I've been waiting for you, child. Hey, hey, let's talk. That's what God would say. He wouldn't be like that ignorant spouse that turns their back on you and walks away. Or that child that never calls you. Not God. He doesn't operate that way. No. He'd say, I've been looking for this moment ever since you closed your eyes and went to rest. Let me bring it to a conclusion. I call it Surprising grace. Because it still astounds me. Here's how it works. God sees us in Christ. Aren't you glad He does that? He, he doesn't look at you. Some of you, maybe, maybe you had, your family had a reputation. And so, it, is any of you that had brothers that went before you or sisters that went before you in school, and maybe they weren't great. You followed them and you had a bad reputation. Yeah, isn't it awesome that God doesn't do that with us? Because though in ourselves abhorred or evil and ugly, you behold us as wearing Christ's Garments. That's how God looks at you. He looks at you as wearing Christ's garments. That's how He looks at you. It's good that He looks at us that way. That's why the Scripture tells us, you are clothed in His righteousness. That's what we just did when we took communion. We put on His robe of righteousness. We reminded ourselves that when Jesus shed His blood, it was so that your sin wouldn't be accounted to you. You exchanged your sin for His righteousness. God looks at us as washed in the blood of the Lamb. Praise His holy name. He looks at you as if you'd never sinned. Thus I I stand accepted in His presence. I'm going to give you one more section that's not in your notes. So I don't know if you have room, but... As such, I'm continually with you. I remind you that this is a decision you make based on a decision God already made in sending His Son, the spotless Lamb of God. He already made that decision for you. He sent Him because He loves you and He's committed to you. So here is comfort for your tired mind and seared heart. In spite of what the storm within you tells you, God is there. Come on, Pastor Mackay. In spite of what the storm says, the howling winds, all of that negative, satanic-inspired voices that, that are saying, you can't make it, you'll never win, you're no good. Look where you came from. How do you imagine that you're going to be a good person or that God's going to receive you or that God really loves you or God's really committed to you? All of those voices, in spite of all of those voices, God is there. He's lovingly holding you. 
But the real kicker, I remind you, is in this verse that is the crux of the message. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. So reverse it. You know that he loves you and he's always there for you. But are you always there for him or with him? He doesn't need you like you need him. But are you there? Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me with my right hand. Invariably in the scriptures when that statement is made, it's made to imply that my strongest hand. That's why Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Signifying strength. His holding power. If if there's ever an occasion where I need to exercise strength in holding something, it's going to be this right hand that does it. Because that's my strong hand. And I know that. And that's what this is implying. Asaph understood in this psalm, which is just a song, folks. Nevertheless, I am continually with You hold my right hand. God, you got a hold of my right hand, but I've reached out my right hand. Is that you? Because I know, I know that you're there, Lord. Stand to your feet with me, please. I hope this comes as a good reminder to all of you today. God is always there waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He's longing to be with you. Always. Forever and always. He longs to be with you. Now if there's a chance that you've made it to the end of this service. And for whatever reason. During the communion time or that zone. You, you, you've not understood this purely. That God loves you and is committed to you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? Who's in this place and needs to be reminded that God's stretching His hand towards you? Lift your hand right now. Just need to be reminded of it. God bless you. God bless you. Is there someone that would say, I need to remember that I must stretch forth my hand. And if I do, God's faithful and will reach out to me. You lift your hands up this morning. How about if all of us for a moment just make that confession. Everybody stretch forth your right hand. Say, Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you're reaching for me. I'm reaching out to you. Say it. I'm reaching out to you, Lord. I need you to hold my hand. And I know that you always will. Say, I'm yours, Lord. Just let it sink into your spirit for a minute. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that you stretch forth your hands towards us. That we can know you personally and walk in your relationship with you, God. And it's such a beautiful thing. Thank you, Lord. You are always there for us. So now, God, we stretch forth our hands in honor of understanding this verse. Thank you for speaking that song to us through Asaph, saying to us, Nevertheless, I, and so we personalize it, I am continually with you, Lord. Not just on the occasions when things are rough. No, I'm continually with you. Not just when things are bad in my household or relationally with my spouse or not when, when, when my job looks like it's not gonna adequately supply. I'm not just with, I'm not with you in just those moments. No, I'm continually with you and you're always holding my hand, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. 
let that sink into your spirit. God, bless your people who are gathered here this morning or now this afternoon. Bless them, Lord, continually. Help them to walk with you upright before you and recognize your very real presence, Lord, in their lives. In Jesus' powerful name, Lord, I pray and believe. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Come back and be with us at 6 o'clock tonight for prayer and fasting and worship experience. And and then each night, 7 p.m. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.